Welcome to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoors company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Thank you to St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And thanks to Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest this week is Dan Johnston. We're talking about tackle preparation. Listen to this, you'll learn something. And then Vice President of Governmental Affairs with the American Sport Fishing Association, Mike Leonard, brings us up to date on what's going to happen and has happened and will happen on Capitol Hill. And then you, Drew Gill is going to talk to us. He just won the Sam Rayburn Tackle Warehouse Tournament, $80,000 winner. Listen to the stories that he has to tell about that tournament. But first... I'd like to remind people that this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. You know, we uh, we get to this time of year where ice is going and goofy and you get some days that it feels like spring and down south it is spring. Spawn is happening in the southern states. Uh, this is a great time of year to talk about tackle preparation because... You can still get it ready. Even the play, people that are fishing all year down, they need to push that reset button and get stuff ready. You can still get things ready for the season where you're going all the time because during the winter, even down south, they get some bad days, windy days, cold days. But it's a great topic, isn't it? It, it is, and we've done it before. Uh, we've done this topic before, and it's funny. I've spoken many times to the fact that I always do this in the fall and the winter. When I'm done fit fishing, now granted, I'm, my boat stays on Lake Ozark, so I can fish all year uh, whenever I can get lucky enough to get down there. But generally speaking, I'm not fishing down there as much as I do up here when I have my boat, obviously, because I, you know, with a full-time job and it's a five-hour drive for me. That said, yep. tackle preparation with rods, reels, line, uh, organizing the tackle, all your storage boxes. Um, I put all those little uh, moisture things that you get, like when you order a camera or those little pack, that little pack that sucks moisture out of things. Yeah, those I've crystals. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my make sure I got every one of those in my hook box and all my terminal tackle, um, any any of my crankbait box, anything with hooks on it. Period. There's one of those in there, and but it's 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 a really important topic. I miserably failed this year doing it, so I'm violating my own principles. So now I got to play catch up and do it. But it's really important because we are way more efficient. Not only when those individual storage boxes, those little uh, cartridges are organized, but not only that, but how you even organize them in your boat. So when you're out there and you're on a bite and you want to go from a three eighths to a quarter ounce tungsten, for whatever reason, you know exactly where it is because if things are hard to find, you're less likely to do it if you got to dig through a bunch of stuff. Um, so it's a really, really important topic. It doesn't seem like it is, but it is, you know, and part of that's checking your hooks, making sure nothing's got rust on it. I cut every single piece of tagline off my split rings or any lure that because I'm pretty lazy on cutting stuff off sometimes. You know, just the, the little things, it just saves you time. And, and again, I'll repeat this, and I think it's really important. You're more you're more likely to do make a change on the water if it's really easy to make. And if you don't, if you're not organized, you'll say, man, I really would have liked to have tried that, but I don't know where it's at. So I'm just going to drive on. And I think that's the biggest point I would make. Yes, absolutely. And good or bad for myself, uh, being in Northern Illinois, I don't have my boat somewhere warm that I get to go use it. So it gets parked in the garage and, uh, 
I empty it out totally as if I was going to sell the boat, whether I am or not. A lot of times that's the case. You're going to go into a new boat after a couple years or two, three years, whatever. But I empty it totally, and then I do the reset. I work on the tackle in the basement throughout the fall and winter, and then I put it all back in, and it's like brand new. And like you said, it's so important to know exactly where things are. And you're probably like you, me. You probably have labels on those boxes. Yeah. And, and a lot of times the box, I can tell by what it looks like, you know, like, for example, I use that Plano terminal tackle box. that has got the yellow tabs on it. So yep. it's very visible. I don't have to label that one. I know exact. Plus it's super, super heavy. So it's kind of <laughs> standalone where I put it, but I think it, I, I would segue this right into being as important as making sure your boat's ready to go. How many times have you been out there in season and somebody goes, man, this, this failed or something happened. And if you think about about it it's because they didn't check it two months ago the, the vast majority of the time we all run into these things i mean i knocked a lower unit off to about a year and a half ago and that was on me and i unpredictable and how do you prepare for that but a lot of things are preventable like taking the prop off your trolling motor and checking for line underneath it stuff like that you know there's no and the tackle organization is exact same thing you know if we're looking for something we know where it's at and dave you're like me and there's a lot of listeners on this podcast i probably have 75 of those cartridges i only take 15 of them with me yeah so if they're organized i know which ones to put in my boat wherever i'm going so i don't have the entire inventory in there thinking you know i don't i don't want a certain bait a certain time of year that i know they're not going to bite so i won't even put in the boat yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't need the same thing in my boat to go to the St. Lawrence River to fish for smallmouth right. that I do to guide on a southeast Wisconsin lake, on, on a Lake Geneva or a Delavan. I don't need to have the boat with all that stuff in it. And I don't think, like you said, 70, we can't fit them all in. So you take the ones that you need. And, and this preparation, it's not a one-time thing. I think that's what we're both saying. It's um, you, you tweak it as you go through the season and tweak it as to where you're going. You you may not be going fishing to tournaments and going to the east coast or down south or something but you go on a vacation do you need to take everything that you have at home probably not no and it, that's exactly right and I, I think that the thing is when we're i am horrible at putting things back where they're supposed to be and I, I fall victim to this all the time i'm looking for a certain color megabass 110 and for some reason i've got it in a box it should have been my buzz bait box mm-hmm. like why because the buzz bait was on the top when i cut it off and i threw it in there out of sheer laziness and so I, i'll try to organize my things in season but every single year it is mandatory for me to go through that i'm talking very detailed like making sure everything's where it's at and another big one in doing that is you find out what you're out of you know, you, you, you're not out there in the lake thinking, oh, man, I thought I had these because you'll see it when you go through your things and you'll say, man, I'm out of a, a one-aught um, hook for a drop shot in light wire. And now I need it and I don't have it, but I'd have known it if I'd have looked at my stuff over the winter, you know. So it's a, it's a great topic. It's one of those things where a lot of people, it's not really a want to do, um, but it's kind of fun. You know, I'll full disclosure, I usually grab a a Coors Light in the winter and kick my feet up and I'm looking at, in my living room and I got them all out and it's kind of a fun thing to do when there's nothing else to do and um, but boy does it pay off. 
Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be a once a year getting ready for the season. I do the tackle preparation when I'm fishing a tournament. It's every day before I go practice the next day. It's every day before I fish the next day at a tournament because you tweak things and you want to maybe rotate a few boxes to where you have those handy for the day or your trip, whatever you're doing. So this, this is kind of a, a mindset that you can use throughout the season, not just once in the spring. Well, the bite in northern Wisconsin on smallmouth is completely different than Lake of the Ozarks for largemouth. Yep. So you're right. I mean, I'm doing that in season two. I guess the biggest point I'm trying to make is if I've done it holistically before, that in-season stuff's way, way, way easier. Because now it's just a matter of finding the 12 boxes I want to take instead of thinking, man, I know these categories, but do I have the right stuff in the right boxes? And you got to start all over again. So it's kind of a – to me, it's an annual thing really really detailed and thorough and then in season it's kind of tweaking but every fall i go through them and i realize i've put stuff where it's not supposed to be (laughs) and i I think there's a lot of people that don't do that that are really really good at putting things right back where they are and they're they're way better off than i am they probably don't have to go through it every year other than just checking their inventory yeah and it's a job to do it but you you are right um the more uh meticulous you can be with your tackle it's like anything else you know exactly where it's going to be look at it i mean we all know uh whether it's your tackle bag or in your boat where your scissors are to cut the braid you 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 know where the pliers are to get the hooks out i mean think of it like that that things that you use um maybe not as often but it can be that simple and like you said in the beginning you'll be more likely to change that lure or switch baits or or techniques and you'll be more successful. Another big tip I'm going to bring up that a lot of people do not know, and it, I didn't discover, I, I discovered it from somebody else. I take no credit for this. But I take mineral, mineral oil you get at Walmart. It's like a buck. And then I get real anise oil. It comes in a little dropper bottle. It's hard to find. It doesn't take much. I put like two drops of it in that mineral oil. And then I just take an eyedropper and put a little bit in every single bag of plastics I own, especially they're older. And they come right back to life with color. They get soft. They're just, you you bring them out of the bag and they feel like they want to jump out of your hand. They're so lively. It's unbelievable. And I saw a dealer do it one time in a bin full of twister tails. And I'm like, what are you doing to keep these things look like looking like they were made yesterday? And she told me what she did, and I never forgot it. That's part of my annual thing, too. And I do that in season as well. Excellent tip, as always, Dan. And that's why we have you on almost every week. And uh, totally appreciate your time and your tips and your information and look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MagForce Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. 
MAC4C incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on many times and he has a passion to keep everybody accessible to the outdoors. He is Vice President of Governmental Affairs with the American Sport Fishing Association. Welcome back, Mike Leonard. Thanks, Dave. Happy to be on. Yeah, you uh, give us a, we normally try to get a quarterly update from you, and it sounds like there's been a lot of things happening uh, in the world of the outdoors up on Capitol Hill. It sure has. Yeah, it's uh, interesting engaging in fisheries and natural resource and outdoor recreation policy, because this has probably been the theme of a lot of our conversations on this podcast, that um, while uh, the legislative process, Congress tends to be gridlocked over just about everything else. You know, most of what you see and hear on the news of, you know, not being able to agree to a border deal, um, funding for foreign aid, uh, funding for our own fiscal year uh, government. Um, in the outdoor recreation space, things are actually getting done. So it's kind of interesting that while they're fighting over everything else, that um, you know, the, the issues that we at the American Sport Fishing Association and a lot of our partners work on seem to be one of the, the few areas that, while Congress can't get anything else done, they, they can still work together bipartisan fashion. You know, members all across the country um, recognize the importance of promoting fisheries access and conservation. And so our stuff still tends to move, which is nice. And hopefully that, that holds up for a while. Yeah, maybe we need to get them all on a boat, go fishing, and maybe they can solve some of those other issues. Yeah, maybe that's what they're trying to do is do all these bills so they have time to fish and then figure out. Yeah, <laughs> that's where a lot of these relationships get forged and uh, you can figure some, some stuff out on the water. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Excellent. What's going on these days? Yeah, so a few bills that we're working on um, that uh, are starting to gain some traction and hope that by the end of this year, so Congress works on a two-year session, as folks may know, we're... Uh, a couple months into the second year, so we've got till the end of 2024 um, before Congress adjourns and things start all over again. Of course, we've got a presidential race coming up in November, so um, yeah, the crunch is on to get things done before things get hyper-partisan and political and um, you know, Congress essentially shuts down, but we're, we're well on our way. Um, last week, uh, I was actually sitting in the House... Uh, floor gallery watching debate over a bill that we've been working on called the shark act that if anyone's fished really in the southeast or in florida um, inshore offshore uh, this issue with shark depredation of you know the moment you hook a fish the race is on to see if you can land it before shark gets to it first yeah. um, it's really getting worse and worse and it's not an easy problem to fix um you know i keep saying we're never going to solve this it's just a matter of can we mitigate it maybe uh, turn temperature down a little bit to where these interactions aren't happening quite as much. Um, part of part of the challenge there is it's a really cross jurisdictional. You got federal agencies, state agencies, a bunch of species. Uh, there's there's no like one cohesive management entity you can go 
talk to to work through ways to to mitigate this this challenge. Um, so that's what this Shark Act does: is it would create a task force of federal and state agencies and researchers and academics to come together and look at uh, where some policy improvements we need, what research needs to be done, what uh, angler education needs to be done, what technology might be out there, or, you know, what there's products out there that can help deter sharks the moment they get close to, to your, your bait. So um, there's things like that that just need more attention and focus. And uh, that bill actually passed unanimously on the House floor, uh, which was, was neat to see. Again, we talked about gridlock and Congress not being able to get along well. There wasn't a single member of the House of Representatives that disagreed that this is an important issue and something that um, needs to move. So um, so that was really cool to see that um, pass. Of course, we still got to get through the Senate, but um, you know, I feel like we're, we're on our way. Yeah. Um, on top of that, we have uh, we, we saw a large bill introduced in the Senate at the end of last week called America's Conservation Enhancement Reauthorization Act. We're working with a lot of hunting and other sport fishing groups. It's a bundle of authorizing or reauthorizing really important programs ranging from uh, the Chesapeake Bay program, which which um, supports a lot of aquatic resource conservation, cleanup, healthy waterways, um, reducing nutrient runoff into the Chesapeake Bay to support straight bass and bluefish and all the other important species that uh, use the Chesapeake Bay as a nursery ground. Um, it supports the National Fish Habitat Partnership, which is this national program that funds on the ground uh, fish habitat projects that improve fishing opportunities. Just a ton of great uh, programs in there that um, Congress has to periodically reauthorize that um, we saw um, that that bill uh, introduced, and we're, we're hopefully going to see that moving forward pretty soon. It was actually introduced by the, uh, the top Republican and Democrat on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. Um, so having the chairman and ranking member leading this um, it was a good start. That's uh, Chairman uh, Tom Carper from Delaware and Ranking Member um, Capito from West Virginia. So uh, anyway, get the whole theme of bipartisanship, um, you know, well on our way. So it's it's good to see this stuff come together. Of course, still a lot of work to do, and um, you know, we're not done yet. But uh, we're you know we're moving ahead with a lot of really good fisheries conservation and, and access legislation. Yes, that's excellent. And and for the listeners out there, you can probably follow along on wo- most of what Mike talks about on uh, Keep America Fishing. You put updates on there, don't you? Yeah, it's a great resource to keep up with what's going on, keepamericafishing.org. Um, actually, if you go to our website, ASA Fishing, I think we changed the URL around a little bit. But if you go to asafishing.org and go to our Action Center, you'll see all the information there. But yeah, we make it to where anytime one of these issues pops up and you, know, you can, in a couple clicks, contact your senators, your member, your House member, and ask that they support these bills. Or if a vote's coming up, please vote yes on it. Um, you know, all those really make a difference for them to hear from constituents about the importance of these issues you know, back home in their district, in their state. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage folks to check out our Keep America Fishing resource. And, and you know, again, with a few clicks, we make it really easy to stay up to date and get involved. Yeah, which is very important. There's a lot of things uh, there. Is there anything else that we can we can add to this? Or well, a little closer to home for you. There's a couple of Great Lakes bills that were recently introduced, and um, really you have the entire delegation of all the states that board border the Great Lakes coming together to support the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. It's been around for decades. Uh, funds a ton of really critical fisheries and water quality uh, research and uh, habitat improvements all throughout the Great Lakes Basin. Um, Again, you talk about things that members of Congress 
don't agree on, which is a lot of it. This yeah. is one of those programs that anytime it's up for uh, funding for um, for reauthorization, literally every single member of the Great Lakes delegation, um, Republican, Democrat, uh, all ends of the political spectrum come together and support this because they know how important the Great Lakes are um, for, from a fisheries standpoint, uh, from a you know, quality of life standpoint, and how, how much important work this program's been doing over the years. So that's another one we saw introduced, and I uh, hope to see that one get across the finish line uh, by the end of this year. So again, message, I guess, the listeners is, uh, you're hearing about a lot of craziness and a lot of, uh, you know, things not happening in D.C. It's it's kind of neat that our community, um, you know, as small as it may be in the grand scheme of things, although there's you know, 55 or so million of us out there, um, we are still able to get the attention of lawmakers and um, get them to be willing to put their differences aside and work together for, for the betterment of our, our industry and our community. Excellent. That's why I have Mike Leonard on to talk about what's good in the political world, uh, especially for the uh, American Sport Fishing Association and everybody, all the good that it does for everybody that loves to use the outdoors. And uh, I appreciate the update, Mike, and I'm sure we'll be calling you in a few months to get another one. Yeah, sounds good. There's plenty of bad going on, too, but I like to focus on the good stuff. So well, we'll, we'll keep that the, the theme for today. Excellent. I appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Dave. No problem. That was Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs with the American Sport Fishing Association. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Thank you to all of them for what they do for this program. Today, my guest is coming off a big win down at Sam Rayburn Tackle Warehouse winner, Drew Gill. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm ready to talk fishing. Yeah, you know, uh, you should be. You've been, uh, you're a busy guy. You, you, you got 69 pounds, or 60, yeah, 69 pounds, 6 ounces, and that day three, 26, 3, uh, put the, the the nail in the coffin for you to win. I think you won 80 grand on this, didn't you? Yep, I did. I that, did. It was, a, it was a good week. It was a very good week, and uh, you uh, you got down there, you practiced. Did you, did you think you could catch that much from your practice? Absolutely not. 
I caught the biggest fish I caught in practice was a uh, three fourteen. Wow! I didn't catch four pounder for three days in practice, and so I was going into it going, "Man, if I can figure out a way to scratch out a check, I will be happy." And uh, well, you did <laughs> kind of materialize day by day in the tournament, and uh, I, I mean, I'm, I was speechless. You know, it wasn't something I expected. You know, I've had a few co- close calls. I've had six thirds and two seconds in the last two years in major tournaments and like i was like you know whenever i finally get to win one i'm gonna i'm gonna see it coming like it's gonna be a tournament where i'm like you know going into it knowing that i've got the opportunity and i'm on the fish to win and this this one caught me so off guard like i haven't even had time to process it because it it all happened so fast you know i caught 20 something first day and, and i'm like okay that cannot happen again and then i caught 20 something the second day i'm like okay that won't happen again and Marshall Hughes had almost 40 pounds second day. Yeah, so I was I like, saw we're that. all out of here fishing for second. And last day I go out there and I catch him again. And I was like, you know, it, you know, it was the third biggest bag of the tournament. But I was like, you know, it's it's that's great and all, but it's just gonna bump me up second and I'll I'll make a good check and get out of here. And then I come to the way and everybody starts talking and I realized real quick that uh that I may have had it, you know, pulled off and, and to just go from thinking that I'm just out here fishing for second to thinking I potentially have a chance to win in 15 minutes. I had a pretty stressful last hour and a half of the day before, uh, before weighing concluded for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's a lesson to people that are out there fishing and you don't have a good practice. It's still fishing. It can happen any day. You can get that that big bag or you can get that big bite and, and it can make a difference. And I this probably helps your uh mindset more going forward with you're not going to count yourself out uh, just because of a, a, a practice that wasn't stellar oh yeah and i mean this time of year especially if there's a time of year that's a great time of year to have a poor practice it's it's when you start getting into that pre-spawn mode when when lakes start warming up filling up you know getting dirtier places with big fish like rayburn i mean you have a bad practice this time of year, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because three days ago when your practice started, the lake was probably an entirely different lake than it is right now at the beginning of the event. And so it's so easy in the springtime to throw away what you didn't practice and relearn the lake and try and figure them out because in the springtime, we understand more about fish behavior in the spring than we do any other time of the year. And so we know what's going to happen. We know that it's, that it's coming and, and it's really easy to to know what to look for whenever you get that hint that that maybe it's turning the corner and and these fish are starting to think spawn in thoughts and and that's what I did and I, I was just able to uh, intercept them. Did did you have to use a lot of different areas or once you got that that twenty plus pound bag the first day were you able to stay in that same water? So I fished the same section of the lake the entire tournament, about a six, seven mile section, mm-hmm. but I fish new water just about every day. Okay. So I, I, I utilize new water all three days of the tournament in some capacity to catch the fish that I ended up weighing. So uh, I, the first day I fished totally new water from practice and, and caught them. Second day I caught, I think two in a similar area that I caught today one and then caught three others on new stuff. And the last day, I caught three on stuff that I found on day two in the afternoon and then caught two more on new stuff. So it was kind of of like half and half. You know, I I fished new stuff on day one. Day two caught some stuff off of day one stuff and found new stuff. Day three I caught stuff off day two stuff and found new stuff. So it it was kind of a sequence kind of deal. Did you get the call very much? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I got the call probably every day 
I called six to eight times a day, probably. Okay. So it, it did a good bit of calling. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was calling for ounces all day. That was the thing with Rayburn. It's like you called, you know, here and there for two or three ounces. You know, you'd catch a high two or a three or something like that. But, like, there came a point where you'd catch a big one and you'd be calling by pounds. And, and it only takes a few of those calls to make it really hard on yourself to call later in the day. Because, you know, I didn't have – Rayburn's a great place to catch fish between eight and 11 pounds. I mean, we saw three 11-pounders in the tournament. So a, a heaping helping of eight and nine pounders. And when you have all solid ones and you don't have any of those eight, nine, 10, 11 pound bites, you get to a point on a lake like that where it's hard to cull without catching a true giant. You right. know, when you catch all five or, you know, high three to five pounders, I mean, it, it gets difficult. So really I, I cold pretty fast and furious most mornings. And then by the afternoons, like I would make one or two substantial colds in the afternoon. What were, what were the water temperatures there? Rayburn is right around, most of the creeks are right around, you know, 59 to 64. Okay, so uh, it's, it's right there. It's pretty warm. It's, it's, the water's getting up, and it's been raining and raining and raining and raining and raining down here for two weeks. And we, we had nights in the high 50s, low 60s this past week, and we saw daytime temperatures a week and a half ago that were 80 degrees down in Texas, so... I mean, it's it's warming up pretty rapidly, and they're they're definitely thinking those thoughts. I think it'll take a couple weeks. I'd say probably two and a half weeks before they really start truly spawning. But it's they're definitely moving in that direction, and it, Rayburn's about to be a really fun place to be the next few weeks. Yeah, sounds like it. When and when you have the opportunity to catch big fish like that and multiple big yeah, fish, correct? Yeah, that's that's got to be got to be fun. So. Uh, but you said you were you're uh, heading to a uh, another tournament. You're getting ready to, to fish again tomorrow, and uh, yep. will that water be at about the same stage? Actually, Gunnersville is is quite a bit cooler. Gunnersville is about ten degrees cooler than Rayburn is right now, so it's it's going to be uh, Gunnersville is going to be probably a true wintertime tournament. Okay. It will not be a uh, uh, any sort of pre spawn deal. It's going to be you know your standard Gunnersville bridge fishing there's going to be some guys fishing in the drains and creeks and there's going to be probably some guys catch them on the bars too but that deal's a little bit sketchier this time of year you know just because it's really when you're fishing four feet of water throwing a trap and chatterbait on those bars you your fish are really pressure oriented and generally you've got 99 percent of the water out there is dead and one percent of it's really good and the one percent that's really good is really obvious to everyone that it's good and so it gets pressured really hard. So I'm, I'm probably, you know, I didn't get to practice, but I think I'm going to go out there and probably start off playing the, uh, the bridge game in the morning and try and see if I can't get a few cheap big bites right yep. off the bat and then, uh, and then kind of expand upon it tomorrow afternoon and, and try and run around and find some of those creek fish because the fish that get in those creek drains are pretty consistent. When you can find them, they're, they're rock solid. So. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And, and you know there there's going to be more coming because of the time of year. Hey, Drew, i got to sure. take a quick break for uh, some of our sponsors here. And when okay. we come back, I want to hear who helps keep you on the water. I am Dave Kranz. This is the Wheat Fish ASA Podcast, and we'll be right back after these messages. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible. In being equipped and prepared, for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. 
We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAG4Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAG4Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz here with Drew Gill. Drew, uh, we took a break for some uh, commercials here. Who keeps you on the water? Who do you have as sponsors? Oh, man, I, I've got a fantastic backing of, of companies that support me. You know, I, I from uh, Big Bite Baits and Buckeye Bill Lewis, everyone at GSM, to, uh, to White River and Bass Pro Shops, to... Epoch batteries, um, which are, you know, how I power everything that I do on the water. Hook gear, my, my apparel. I mean, they, they make a, a fantastic line of products. It's really comprehensive, you know, regardless of what weather I'm faced with. Uh, from the start of the season to the end, they've got something that is appropriate for the situation. I mean, I've got a precision sonar, sea clear power, arc rods. I use arcs, rods, and reels exclusively, and, uh, you know, they use it. I've been using their stuff even before I was working with them. You know, I, I really enjoy the product. It is a uh, fantastic, <clears throat> they make so many fantastic actions and powers for certain techniques. It's, it's really finely tuned. They're not general rods that just you pick up and throw whatever on. They are really finely tuned for certain situations and, and for certain techniques they're in my opinion, I've never used any blinds that are better than some of these options that they have. I mean, I have, I have so many companies for me. You know, I work with anglers channel, um, on producing content with them. And, uh, I also work with dual pro battery chargers. They're, they're, uh, great in a, in a big support and, uh, renegade Marine is, is the, uh, boat. Manu- or not, I guess not manufacturer, but distributor that I work with for uh, getting my Triton every year. Uh, they are they are awesome to work with, and uh, they're one of the the biggest boat retailers in, in the state of Kentucky for sure. But uh, I, I've got so many so many awesome sponsors that that back what I do, and uh, and without them, I definitely I definitely wouldn't be able to do what I do. You know, it, we all say that, but we truly do mean it. I mean, it's not it, although it may sound pandering at times, like without the sponsors that are willing to support the brand and, and support what you do on the road, uh, it, trying to make it on just fishing is really, really hard to do because it is fishing and there are times where you do not catch them. And uh, without this, the steady <clears throat> support of the sponsors and, and contributing to your brand, you know, we, we, we couldn't do this as stable as, as we're able to for sure. No, no. Yeah. Everybody needs that. And that's good. You uh what was the technique that was the most effective for you? What what baits were you throwing, and you know how were those fish set up? So at Rayburn on day one, I caught him. I caught him on a Demikiri because that's what I caught a lot of my fish on in practice, even though I hadn't caught very many good ones. But I noticed that like I could watch them follow my bait up, and they wouldn't eat it up, but they wanted to follow it up. But I I drop it to the bottom, and they didn't have any interest. So I was like, you know what? And I, I started. You know, keeping it up like like you fish a Demetri, you pitch it out there over their head, keep it over their head, let them follow it up, and, and kind of shake it and reel as they as they get up on it. But I would do that, and then about halfway back to the boat, I'd just kill it. I'd open the bale, let it fall to the bottom, 
and they would fall up down the bottom pin it. And I caught my 21 and changed the first day doing that. Second day, I was like, you know, if they're following it up but wanting to eat it off the bottom, the bait that's always the best for me in that scenario is an eco rig. And as soon as I made that adjustment, I caught every single fish over three pounds for the last two days that I saw on, on an eco rig. I'd, I'd let them follow it up. They'd, they'd show interest. And then I'd drop it to the bottom. They'd chase it to the bottom, pin it, bam, you get the bite, set the hook, and put them in the boat. Because with that Nico rig, if you have it rigged right, you li- you literally hook and land every bite you get, all of them, 100%. I have not lost a fish on a Nico rig that has mattered in a tournament for three years. And I think I have caught at least, I'd say at least 120 bass that I've weighed in tournaments on a Nico rig over the last three years. Yeah, I've I've not lost one that's mattered. That that's a pretty good statement, and that's that's a good tip to give to people, and uh, definitely want to want to uh, do that. Do you um, during during the course of the each day did did the weather change enough that you had to change that, or were you able to do the same thing? So I was fishing the the same technique from you know day two and day three through those two days. But the biggest thing was like, I was fishing that technique, um, in different, I say different areas through a transition of areas. So as the week warmed, the water got higher and we had muggy, cloudy, rainy conditions the entire time. And I mean, in the springtime, if you get humid, warm conditions that are cloudy, rainy, and that water's coming up and you're getting in that 60 mark, you know, those fish are making a transition. They're going from the main lake to those, to the backs of those pockets and things like that. In the, the beginning of the tournament, I started fishing the fronts of pockets and the fronts of creeks. And by the end of the tournament, I was in the back third. I mean, those fish, when they decide they may, want to make that move, they make it in a hurry. And I was able to uh, fortunately stay in front of them the whole time. And, and as big fish rolled into these areas, I was I was there to intercept them. So Excellent. The thing for me. Excellent. Where is the next tackle warehouse? I know you're, you're doing uh, Gunnersville on a Toyota uh, this week, but where's the next one that you're going to for tackle warehouse? The next Invitational is at, uh, is at West Point. It's the week after our Bass Pro Tour at Sancy Cooper. So I'm at Gunnersville this week. I'm at Sancy Cooper next week. And then uh, and then I am at West Point Lake in uh, between Georgia and Alabama the week after that. Okay. And that's kind of, uh, I think, a new one for just about everybody, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That one's not been on a, on a professional schedule for 20 years, Yeah. I think. Right at right, it was right around the two thousand early two thousands, late nineties. Last time it was on a schedule. Yeah, are you excited about going there? I'm very excited. It's a style of lake that I, I tend to do well on. You know, I <laughs> I say this. I, I just won an event at Sam or at Sam Rayburn with twenty three pounds a day. I mean, that's that's a slugfest tournament. But I prefer tournaments with like medium weights, lakes yeah. that don't have that aren't just an absolute all out grinder. But lakes where it's not a slugfest. Yeah. Like those those medium lakes where it takes, you know, over the course of three days, it takes um, low 50s to 60 to win, like high teens to win lakes. And that's what we're getting into with West Point. West Point is a uh, – it's it's a bit of a lake that's similar to the North Georgia, Carolina lakes, but it's a little different. It's a little bit shallower than those. It's, it's a clay lake. It's not got a lot of rock. It's got a lot of fixed docks, you know, pole docks and floating docks. And then um, it's it's got dirtier water than most of your lakes in that part of the country. And so uh, when we're there in March, first, second week of March, uh, it's going to be uh, 
it's going to be good timing for a lake like that. And there's going to be a lot of fish roaming up and down the bank and, and, and big ones specifically. And it's going to be a lake where, you know, you're going to get into an area and you're going to catch a big single fish here, a big single fish here. And it's like, it's, it's not a, it's not a fishery where somebody's going to pull up and just catch them off a school on a point or something like that. It's, it's a lake where we're going to see a lot of that transition of, of big singles to the bank. And, and that's going to be, a tournament that i'm really looking forward to it should be a fun week yeah and you got a busy schedule and uh you're a busy guy and uh hopefully i'll be calling you again to to do the we fish asa podcast and uh congratulations again truly appreciate your time and uh look forward to uh to seeing what you do the rest of the season you got a great start I appreciate it. You have a fantastic week, man. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no problem. That was Drew Gill. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. In Iowa, they've got your bass covered. Thanks to Dan Johnson for talking about tackle preparation. Great job. Mike Leonard, we always appreciate a quarterly update on what's going on up on Capitol Hill. Uh, for the people that fish and participate in any outdoors out there, clean, accessible waters is so important. And you just heard from Drew Gill how he won the Sam Rayburn tournament. Tackle Warehouse winner, he's, he's gonna do well the rest of the year. He's got a great start. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.